chapter 10. We began last week here in the 10th chapter of Matthew, and we studied the men with a mission. And we saw here in verses 1 through, actually we went through verse 16, the unique mission that the men had as the apostles of Jesus Christ there in that day. And so it was a blessing. We learned the men with the mission, the mandates of the mission. But this week we begin, uh, we're going to actually pick it up in verse 16. And the setting now shifts for us to look to the future as far as the disciples go. As we go through our study today, we're going to be learning about the witness of the disciples of Jesus Christ, not only there in the first century after the resurrection, but also in the future tribulation period. The Bible says that in the last three and a half years, that the Jews will be witnesses for Jesus Christ. And they will be there, not only persecuted, but proclaiming the gospel. And, and as we go through our study today, that's really what we're going to learn. We're going to see how the Lord speaks to them and prophesies to his apostles regarding their witness for him there in the first century and also the witness for him in the future tribulation period. And as we go through these things, though, we're also going to see some principles for us as today you and I are messengers for Jesus Christ. You know, in one way, I look at our study today kind of like maybe you guys are familiar with this. I know only a little bit about this, but have you ever seen maybe the video footage of the police officers as they get together, maybe preparing for the day or maybe preparing for the week? And they get a briefing, they, they get like some information regarding, you know, what is out there and what they need to do and things they need to be aware of. And then they're sent out onto the streets. That's kind of what we're doing today. It's kind of like a biblical briefing. We're coming together, we're learning to, you know, be aware of what's out there so that when we go out there in the highways and the byways and we're serving there on the streets, that we will know what to do, what God requires of us. You see, you and I, we are messengers. We really are. With our life, with our lips, all our days, God wants us to be messengers. And so as we go through our study today, we're going to see the message to the messengers. That's primarily the whole teaching. And then in the end, we're going to see the reward for the recipient. The first thing we see is the message to the messengers. I'm going to begin reading here verse 16 as Jesus says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wisely shepherds of the flock of God. We touched on this last week, and I thought I could start here again because it really applies to the messengers of Jesus Christ. Here the Lord uses some pretty interesting terms when you look at verse 16. Notice what he says, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. It's kind of interesting when you look at that. And you see here the Lord gives the extreme, the wolves in the midst of the sheep. How we need to be like serpents and at the same time like doves. And it's kind of a weird thing, but you know what? The Lord is teaching us that we need to be cunning and we need to be caring. We need to be tough-minded, and we need to be tender-hearted. We need to be smart as we can, and we need to be as spiritual as we can. We need to be holy, and we need to be humble. The Lord really wants to send us out as messengers, and I pray that you would know that. You know, I don't know what really consumes your heart, what captures your attention, 
but we've been talking about being good stewards of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of the things I really want to caution you against is to forget that. Don't ever forget that that is your primary mission in life, to exalt God and to glorify God and to bring people to Him, to have a heart for the lost. And I just pray that we would all have that as a passion, a primary passion in our lives. You know, it's so easy to get sidetracked in so many ways. We can get sidetracked with uh, entertainment, with finances, with even sometimes friends and family, with relationships that we put before the Lord or ambitions or possessions. But please, man, don't get sidetracked. You and I are witnesses in the dark. We are messengers for the Master. We are here to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to remember that. For some, it's easier. For others, for some reason, they just really need to hear this over and over again. And then something clicks, and then they remember. That's really what this is all about. I remember when I was first a Christian, one of the guys that used to lead worship there at the church was a guy named Dave Messinger. And for him, it was real easy to know that he was a messenger because <laughs> that was his last name, you know. And I think the other day I met a guy, his last name is uh, Cristiano. And I thought, wow, that's cool. He's always reminding you that he's a Christian. Or I even have a nephew, his name is Christian Goen. And so he's always a Christian Goen, you know, out there. And, and I thought, wow, for some people, man, it, I bet you it's so easy to just know and to be aware constantly that we are ambassadors for the unlost, that we are here to preach the gospel. But for others, I think it's a little bit more difficult. And so the Lord, I believe, wants to speak to us today and just to remind us, you guys, of really what it's all about. Please, don't get caught up in your own life. Please. You're supposed to live for Him. And that's what the Lord And when you look at verse 16 in one sense, it can kind of be a summary statement for us all. You know, as we're sent out by the Savior into this world to win the lost for the Lord, may we never forget that it's a jungle out there. And here in verse 16, according to the Bible, we need to beware, we need to be wise, and we need to be fierce. He says then, you guys are sheep in the midst of the wolves. Kind of like Peter said in 1 Peter 5.8, He said, be careful, watch out for the attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a lion looking for a victim to devour. And he's after you. And so we need to beware. We need to be wise. We need to be pure. You see, you guys, we don't live in a zoo. We live in a jungle. We live in the great outdoors for God. And so we need to make sure as sheep that we stay close to the shepherd. Man, be wise. Be pure. Kind of like the Bible says in Romans 16, 19. Paul said, I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. We read the same thing pretty much in Ephesians 5, verse 15 and 16, in which Paul said, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. God says, I send you out. Do we remember that? You might not have that evangelistic position, but you have an evangelistic commission. And God sends us out, and we need to make sure that we don't forget that. We need to be wise to win as many souls as we can. We need to be wise to make sure that we're not sidetracked, and then boom, set on the shelf one day where God can't use our lives anymore. People are perishing. 
need to have a heart for them. You know, over the years, I've seen so many people fall away, devoured by the lion. I'm sure you have, too, if you've been walking with the Lord, huh? And, you know, you see them, and they were people who were sent by the Savior. And you've seen them, unfortunately, not there in the front lines any longer. And so I just want to encourage you. I want to caution you. I want to communicate to you that if you are casual, then you will be a casual church. That we need to make sure that we know what's going on. That we don't let our guard down. That we don't cease to strive to walk in holiness. Why? Because the wolves will not spare the flock. You, your family, your calling. It will be neglected if not died unless we understand what the Bible teaches. This is a big time battle. And so we need to beware of wolves, the Lord says right here. We need to beware also of men. That's what we read in verse 17. The Lord says, but beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogue. You know, being a messenger for the master is not going to be a painless life. The Lord here gives a prophecy to the first century church and to all the ages, even into the tribulation period, that there is going to be pain in this path. And the Lord here gives a prophecy, and he says, listen, when you go out there and you're in preaching the gospel, I don't know if you guys have ever done that before, but you just go out, man, the, you know, we call it cold turkey evangelism or whatever it might be, you go it's not always a receptive thing. There's a lot of times resistance. In the final days, there will be much religious resistance when the government and the religions together come against Jesus Christ and his people. Here we see the Lord prophesying regarding the times and that the apostles would be arrested, that the workers would be whipped, but their pain would have a purpose and the opposition would really be opportunities to be the signs that they were under the protection of the gospel. You know, when you study the history of the church, you know that in the very beginning, the Christians, in the book of Acts chapter 4, we read about Peter and John and how they were arrested. And I don't know about you, but I know that I can't make light of all the persecution going on out there around the world. More persecution in this century against Christians than ever before, even online. But what is it So they were arrested in Acts chapter 4. They were put in the custody of Herod and his administration. They were arrested again in Acts chapter 5, verse 18, and again in Acts chapter 5, verse 26. They eventually let the apostles go, but not before beating them, just as Jesus said right here in this verse. And this would only be the beginning of the persecution and the end of the gospel message. But please understand, even if you're here today and you're going uh, through persecution, that there's always a purpose for your pain. Because look what the Lord says in verse 18. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. And so there's Paul the Apostle. Think about it. When you study his life, he preached the gospel. He was arrested there in the book of Acts. 
But eventually he was able to preach the gospel to the leaders of the Jews, to the Jewish rulers, to the governor of the the, uh, territory two times, to the king of the territories, and eventually before Caesar uh, Augustus himself. And so as he's there, you know, arrested preaching the gospel, it's that opportunity that God would open through that persecution. He really is arrested. But that's the wonderful thing about our Lord. You know, Paul the Apostle, such a great example, testified before the Jewish council in Acts 23. He then testified before Governor Felix in Acts 24. He testified before Governor Festus in Acts 25. He then testified before King Agrippa in Acts 26. And he almost made him a Christian, he says in verse 28. And you know, one thing about this, and when you look at Paul's life, is that you know all the people, as they're there in that setting, think about it, preaching to kings, governors, those in positions of authority, testifying to them. It's so cool, man, because even if you find yourself there one day, you won't have to worry about the words you just spoke. Because that's what the Lord says here in verse 19. He says that when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak. For it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. In many ways, this is Jesse's ministry. This is just like a holy huddle so that we can go out and tell the world. And the Lord here gives us principles, you know, to really be, uh, you know, there on our heart to, to, to be there, to be light, to be pure. And when you're there understanding, you know, you're going through pain, you're going through persecution, you're probably new, you're on the right path. And when you're there about to share, understand God will give you the words to communicate to whoever it is that you stand before. You know, as I was preparing for this study last Friday, at the same time I was preparing for this study, a funeral was going on, and it was even being televised to a potential audience of millions of people all around the area. I'm sure many of you saw the funeral. I'm sure most of you heard of the death of Randall Simmons, the man who really was a man with a mission. I wanted to share photos. I wanted to share more information on his life because as last week we studied about a man with a mission. He's such a great example for us from the things that I've heard. But as he was there in that funeral setting and God had taken his life, his testimony wasn't over. And there he was, a faithful man. And so the Lord used his death to glorify his name and to share the gospel with a man, the mayor of Los Angeles, who needs the gospel, to share the gospel with the governor of California who needs the gospel, to share the gospel with all the politicals that need to be saved. Because the Bible does say in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 2 that God desires the rulers to be saved so that we can live a peaceable life. And so when we follow that path that God has provided for us, faithful witnesses, then God will open doors for us to testify to people that he really wants us to share with, people that hopefully will come to him and that will really make a difference for the glory of God. And just as God used the early apostles, especially Paul, 
way back then, you see even today, the same thing going on, how God used Randall Simmons in these days to testify of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and he will use our lives. When we look at this right here, we learn not only about the testimony, but also about trusting in those relationships with God. You know, God would give them the words to say. God would speak through them. And God will speak through your life no matter who you are. You know, a good example of that is probably over in the book of Acts chapter 6 and 7. There was a man by the name of Stephen. Now, Stephen was kind of a simple servant. He used to serve tables. He used to sweep the floors. He would empty the trash. He did all the menial tasks there in the church. He wasn't the pastor. He wasn't the evangelist. He wasn't there in that prominent place. But Stephen loved the Lord. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And God gave him the words to say. One of the most incredible messages in all the Bible. You read about it in the book of Acts chapter 7. And God spoke through him. And we see how God can do that. You and I were just vessels. We need to be yielded into his hands. Testifying, trusting, so that God's message can be fully preached even through simple people like you and I. When you look at the life of Stephen, man, God spoke through him so tremendously that it cut their heart. The rulers of the Jews were so upset that they killed him. But it wasn't before the damage had been done. Because God had spoken through Stephen to reach a man named Saul, who would later be Paul, your faithfulness. Whatever you do, man, let's stick to the word of God. Now, just as a quick side note right here, people might read that verse and say, see, I don't have to study, man. God will give me the words to speak in that hour. But please understand the context here. Jesus is speaking about an emergency situation. He's speaking about when you don't have the time to go on your computer or to read your books and Bibles and things like that. He's saying, listen, when you're there, understand ultimately that I will give you the words to share. I just think it's so amazing, you guys, and I want you to know that, that God can communicate through your lips if you and I would allow Him to. Now, at this point, as we read right here, the Lord kind of lunges into the future tribulation period. And notice what He says here in verse 41. Now, brother will deliver up brother to death, and a father his city flee to another for assuredly i say to you you will not have gone through the cities of israel before the son of man comes and just in case you ever come across somebody who says this is first test century stuff it has nothing to do with the future you know here we can just share with them real straight out no that's not what it says at face value it says that there will be a time when where the apostles will be preaching the gospel there in the nation of Israel. And before they can even go to every city there in Israel, the Son of Man will come. 
And so this is not the first century. This is the future. This is the tribulation period. Just prior to his return, as we read the Bible, we see that it will be hell on earth. Christians will be hated. Think about it. Christians will be hunted. Family members will be divided even unto death. A brother against a brother. Father against child. Children against parents. And we know that even now, huh, religion can divide within the family. But in those days, when the Antichrist persecutes the people of God, please understand, you guys, it's going to get ugly. For those of us here who are Christians, we're not going to be here today. But there might be some of you here today who aren't Christians. And you come every week and you don't really have a hunger for God. And you don't really know the Lord. You're going to be left behind. And if you're here and you're left behind, make sure you read this portion of Scripture. Because you'll need to be a witness for the Lord. Of course, my encouragement to you is not to be left behind, but to be serious about your commitment. That remembering that attending to church doesn't save you. You have to give your life to Christ. And if your behavior hasn't changed, then neither has your destiny. Are you different? Are you living for the Lord? Because if not, you're going to get left behind. And this can happen any day now. We've got to make sure we know the Lord. You know, part of the reason the Lord mentions this right here is because Christians, we need to make sure that we're aware of the attacks that are before us. We need to make sure that we're not blindsided because then it will probably be easier to be able to endure to the end. We go through tough times as Christians. The persecution of the enemy can get hot at times. We get hit from family, we get hit physically, we get hit financially, we get hit emotionally, we get hit constantly. And you might be here today going through difficulties and you might even be tempted to step down or to give up whatever the ministry is that you're involved in or the life even as a Christian. But here, in essence, what the Lord is saying is don't give in. Don't give up. Don't let up. As a matter of fact, I really believe that we need to grow up and get up and start walking stronger with the Lord and to keep working for the Lord. Because ultimately, we are soldiers in a war. And all this battle stuff, it just comes with the territory. There really is a fight going on. And so the Lord here just wants to tell them, not just for information, but so that they wouldn't give up when they find themselves in that situation. Like the Lord said, even in John 16, verse 33, in this world you're having, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Like we read in Acts chapter 14, verse 22, Paul said, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Don't let those difficulties distract you. Don't even let them slow you down. No matter what it is, it's not too big for God. You can grow as a Christian through those hard times. Paul said this, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Kind of interesting. Verse 23, the Lord says, When they persecute you in this city, flee to another. And that's kind of an interesting concept. Some people might not wonder, or might wonder, what does that mean? Well, the Lord basically says, it's okay to flee from danger, but not from duty. We need to make sure we know that, you guys. We have a duty. When we go to the next step, it's time to step forward. 
see the reason for all this, beginning in verse 24. Look what he says. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher and a servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. This is the reason for the persecution, that because they hate God. And if you're really living for God, if you're really living like God's word tells you to live, then they will hate you as well. You know, as a true disciple of Jesus Christ, they would be hated by the enemy. The devil marks you who are living for the Lord. As true servants of Jesus, there will be accusations, there will be persecutions, they will come down your way. And please understand, you guys, if they hated Jesus, they will hate you as well. If they called him Beelzebub, the leader of the demons, what kind of names will they call you as true representatives of righteousness? And so we need to be ready for these things. Even us today, we're definitely living in those days. We're living in days like Isaiah 5.20 says where evil is called good and good is called evil, huh? I mean, think about it. You know, for those of you who are here today and you're really making a stand for the Lord, you know, the world thinks you are evil. They really do. They think we're bad. Why? Because we believe God's word and we take it to heart that God has revealed himself to us. God has revealed his holy, righteous ways to us in the pages of the Bible. He hasn't left us without his word. We believe the Bible for that they think we're bad. We believe homosexuality is a sin only because God says so and they think we're bad. We believe abortion is murder and how God is going to hold all them accountable. We have not repented for the slaughter of over 45 million lives there before they had the chance to be born. We believe these things. And so we stand up for what's right. We do what we can to defend these children. And they think we're bad for that. We want to fight for the family, for the father and the mother, doing our best to discourage divorce, that families would stay together as the fabric of society, and they think we're bad. We believe there's only one way to God, and not all religions lead to heaven. And that's just not a popular message today. And they think we're bad. And they think we're evil. And on and on and on and on. If you're compromising in any of those areas, people won't dislike you. But if you're compromising, you probably have a lot of friends. But the Lord says, hey, listen. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And we live that. We preach that. And what do they think? Oh, those narrow-minded Christians. And the days are coming. And we need to be ready. I don't know for sure what the next year holds or two years down the road or maybe five years down the road, but I know things are changing rapidly. And so we need to be ready. We need to call sin, sin. Loving the sinner, but just wanting to point them to the Savior by holding to our convictions. 
And so as a result of that, the world calls us bad. But that's okay. Like we read earlier, yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. As a matter of fact, if you're here today and you're not disliked by anyone, if you are here today and you have no persecution, no opposition, then you might want to check yourself out and you might be really, really, really checking yourself very carefully. There's a lot of pastors out there who never talk about sin, who never deal with the issues, who simply say that everyone wants to hear and makes them feel good. They have no enemies. Well, if that's the case, they're definitely not devoted before God. There's just no way they can be serious servants because Jesus was hated. And therefore, they must be hated if they're his servant, if they're his disciple. Jesus said in Luke 6, 26, Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For so did their fathers against the when they continue to come against you, the Lord says right here, don't be afraid. We'll see that more as we continue through our study today. But in verse 26, towards the end of this verse right here, notice what it says. It says, therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Now, this is kind of a tough verse to interpret, but there's a couple of views. One view is this. Don't be afraid, man. If they kill you, don't worry. God sees. And one day when they're there before him in the great white throne judgment, they will be judged. And so nothing's hidden. God sees everything. And God will vindicate those who do not repent, those who persecute Christians. That's one view. Another view that seems to fit the context probably a little bit better is how the gospel is going to get out. In one sense, there are some who take that view. He says, therefore, do not fear them. Don't worry. They might kill you. They might hurt you. But, man, the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to get out, man. That's what he says. There's nothing covered that will not be revealed, and there's nothing hidden that will not be known. And so it's kind of interesting. God is going to get his word out no matter what the enemy does to try and come against us. And covering the Christ God says, tell them personally. God says, tell them publicly. And, you know, when we have that heart to really share the love of Christ and to be those witnesses so that they would say, man, there's something about you that is just so amazing. You tell them about the Lord. When we have that heart, then the Lord is going to do such a great work. That really needs to be our master passion. 
And I've shared this with you guys before, and I know for me it always comes back to that, my master passion in life. What gets you out of bed in the morning? What keeps you going throughout the day and through the difficulties? What makes your heart leap? Is it that you have been sent by the Savior to win the lost? That should be our master passion in life. And that's what the Lord is saying. That's the message to the messenger. The Lord wants us to go and to share and to speak and to love and to tell them what His Word says. And you read here, again, look what it says. Don't fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And I want to give just some comforting words to you this morning. I'm not too sure, church, that Apostle Paul, not one of them fall to the ground apart from your Father's will. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. You know, we don't have a gun in the corner in our cord that's telling us to fear, not to anything. We're not there yet. Maybe we'll be there one day. But even if it gets to that extreme, let it not hinder us from praying and doing it, no matter what. Jesus says here in verse 26, he says, do not fear. He says it in verse 28, do not fear. He says it in verse 31, do not fear. From what I understand, I've heard through you know facing the giants that that's the most repeated command in the Bible. Do not fear. And you know, when you're going out there and you're sharing the gospel and you, uh, you know, you want to share the Lord, maybe with a loved one or, or maybe with a stranger, I'll be honest with you. One of the things, one of the walls that you've got to scale is that wall of fear. For some reason, I don't know why, we're fearful of being rejected. We might be fearful of losing a friend. But the Lord says, no, you got to don't let that stop you from sharing the gospel. The only valid fear, really, is the fear of death. Don't fear the one you can kill. Fear the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell. That one says death. That one says peace. That one says live for me. That's the one that we need to fear. And he takes this very, very seriously. Other than fearing God, God says, don't be afraid of anything else. God says, listen, I've got your back. I'll take care of you, man. You're, you've got to really know how personal God is. And the Lord here shares some very personal things. God says, I know how many hairs you have. And by the way, it's kind of interesting. It's not just the amount of hairs you have. He says right here that every single hair is numbered. And what that means, when, when one falls off, he says, oh, there goes number 23. That's really what it means, every single hair is numbered. That's what the Bible teaches. Don't be afraid. God has his hand on us. God has his hand on the birds. I mean, when you look at this and you see the Lord, you know, when it comes to the sparrow and when you read the culture of those days, they were so cute that you could even get one for free. They would cost you know, for free. And God says, even, you know, the sparrow, not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will or presence. God is going to take care of us. His eye is on the sparrow. And therefore, we know that his eye is on us. He'll take care of you guys. But you need to get out there now. 
we need to get out there on the front lines and work for the needy. And I remember even when I was a baby Christian, I had a friend who would go out and witness to the gang members in L.A. And one Friday night, he asked me to go with him. And, you know, my first thought was, you know, there's no way. This guy's crazy. You know, I'm going to get shot or beat up or something's going to happen, you know, because this guy who goes out and witnesses to the gang members, he kind of looks like a criminal. Whoever denies me before men, him I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Kind of cool, man. You talk about God now, and he'll talk about you later. You deny God now, and he'll deny you later. Now, when you look at this context right here, the confession has a couple of sides to it. Number one, it seems to be speaking about us testifying to the world, huh? the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I know we can use this to sound like we're here in an altar call, and there's probably some validity to that, but the context here is you going out and confessing Christ to the world that you meet, regardless of the opposition, and facing your fears, and facing your struggles, and bold, Chances are, if they don't know you're a Christian, then you're probably not. If you're a Christian, you're not a Christian. You receive the word of confession. You receive the prayer opening. You need to speak out freely. It's definitely not something you're ashamed of. It's definitely not something you can hide behind. It's something that you hold for the Lord. You don't hold the Mormons in the KWC. What they do is they go and they knock on every single door, right? They have their map. It's all lined out. If you know your Bible in any way, they won't come back. They'll mark you with a red flag, right? But they go knocking on every door. Now, I don't think we should necessarily do that because, you know, the Lord, what He does is He prepares the heart. He has a... We need to be sensitive to the Spirit. But I do believe that in your life, visualize it this way. You knock on every door There you are, and you're talking to your coworker, and you mentioned this on Thursday. One of Bill Bright's 
principles in life. One of the great guys in the Christian church who now is in heaven. God used him in a mighty way. He said this, if ever I find myself alone with anyone for more than a few moments, I consider it a divine appointment for me to share the gospel. And I think that's cool. And so what I'm thinking is that even though we don't go to every door physically, I think we should go to every door spiritually. And as you live your life, maybe this is an opportunity. And you knock on the door. And God will lead people to him through you. We need to have that really in our hearts. I mean, the bottom line in here, the Lord says it's better to be murdered than to be known. It's better to die than deny what God has called us to do. How much time can we give to the Lord in trying to reach lost people? Is that your heart? Or that's really what this life is all about? you miss out on that, then you're missing life The Lord says in verse 37, my friends, that I came down to you on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those who defend his life. He who loves father or mother more than me is not son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for me will find it. And so this is the message from the Lord. You know, and, and we've got to make sure that we have our priorities in order. Here the Lord speaks of a couple of things. Number one, a common misconception and a fundamental motivation. And the misconception is that, well, you know, if I'm serving the Lord, then everything's going to be fine and dandy, that I have no one coming against me. But the Lord says, no, when you're really living for me, there will be those who will come against you. And unfortunately, when you make that stand, then others will step in and try to harm you. Please understand that Jesus offers you freedom today, but the Jews rejected it. Jesus does not offer a earthly motivation. He only offers a heavenly motivation. And so we need to remember that there will be no peace on this planet until Jesus comes back again. And that takes anymore. I wasn't going out, you know, fornicating anymore. I wasn't going out and having sex like all the world is having. It's such a serious sin today. And if you're in sexual sin today, man, please get right. But don't sin with someone. Who cares if you have sex? Sleep with someone about it. We can't go on living like but I remember when I became a Christian, when all these things changed in my life, my aunt was so upset. She 
quickly take action and be so caught up in religion and knowing what's the now doing and what is this now? What should I do? That I may not have hurt my friend. I think that's what you're saying. I think that's what you're saying. God says, no, you got to do this thing. And 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 please understand that there are many ways in our lives that we can do this. If we protect our own interests, we're going to get by with it. And we're going to make it. But if we live our lives in the interests of others, then we're going to make them isolate the light of God that permeates the desires of our own hearts. I pray that you would have in mind that we women, like in Psalm 1, that we would be in such a way that we would delight in the things of the Lord and that we would be content. And that's why Mary and Elizabeth's dad, we thought we would die all the time. Dad, soldiers are dying all the time over there in Iraq. You know, why is it that this guy is getting so much coverage by some estimate? I mean, you guys, I think you're pretty much on every major channel or, I mean, what an incredible thing. All this, you know, and, 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 and I pray that God would have given us God's wisdom so that we would have prepared for the day. This can happen in us if we really make it our priority. So there's so much here. I know we went through it fast. I know I took quick, we have the reward for the listener. Look what it says in verse 4. He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. And so it's cool. The Lord gives the message to the messengers, and he shares the rewards to the receivers. And in many ways, you know, we're kind of both at times. These receivers right here would probably be people who would listen. They'd probably be people who would be hospitable to the prophets. They would probably be people that include people who would support those who are there. And God says, for those who are there, I have a reward for you. And it's kind of cool when you look at this, a couple of things in this reward. Number one, there are differences. There are differences. There are degrees of reward. You guys know that, right? And one day, if you're faithful and you're serving the Lord and you're doing the right thing, God will reward you accordingly. There are degrees of reward. And number two, we see here that God notices even the details in the reward. He says, listen, you go over there to that thing right there and you just... You know, get a little cup of cold water and you give it in my name. Understand, if you do that in the name of a disciple, understand that you will by no means lose your reward. So God speaks to us. We have come together today in serving each other and in biblical viewpoints. And I just really pray that we would realize that this reward, that to live for the Lord means to live totally, Thank you so much for the message and the lesson of this one. And I pray that each one of us would know today that even though we might not be that messenger who 
traditionally we are a messenger from this land and that we are traditionally engaged with God. So help us today and to share your love. Lord, to be bold and to share the sweet name of Jesus to those who need to hear it. Father, we thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to be here today, to sing to you, to have the fellowship, Lord, to have opportunities to serve you, to let us just be and just hear your word. And Lord, before we go today, bless and keep. Father, there's anyone here today who's been through hard times. They've been maybe assaulted by enemies or they've been the primary target of the enemy and they know that they're Lord God, we pray for them. We pray that you would comfort them, that you would protect them together as a congregation. We pray that you would lift their countenance up and that you would strengthen their faith, strengthen their trust, strengthen their confidence to walk with you, to walk like you, to have the joy of Jesus in their lives, Father. That you wipe away every tear and that you remind them. Together we pray, Lord, you remind them that there is purpose in their trial. And you are doing a great work in this church, in their lives, and throughout. And Father, if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you, who's not a Christian, or maybe they're not sure whether or not they are a Christian, Lord God, I pray right now you would speak to their hearts. And they would know you love them, you see them, you died for them, and that they would give their lives just as every eye is closed and every head is bowed. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you don't know if you're a Christian, then right where you're at, I want you to say this prayer with me. And you mean it from your heart. And if you mean it from your heart, if you're willing to turn from your sins, to repent and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then right now, right where you're at, just like I said, I pray with you. Dear Lord, I come to you today thank you for loving me and thank you Lord for dying for me and today I turn from my sins and I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior write my name 